nothing soft or purposeless coming up for you all in the next two hours. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sam McKee, Derek Brandeo. Those were the words of head coach Sheldon Keith. Hey, hey, Sheldon, don't don't sugarcoat it. Tell us how you really feel. I love it. I love I love that he's one of those guys that works himself angry as he talks. Like he actually he didn't come out guns a blazing. He just it's a I can't speak to either of your significant others, but sometimes my wife can work herself into a lather from starting pretty good. <laughs> I got to get in there before I let it happen. The, the reporters just let him roll, and it uh, he got heated. It was great. Does Sheldon no need like relationship advice <laughs> out of Justin Bourne? Is this where it's going? Yeah. No. no, the uh, you know the uh, the media do, which is don't cut him off. Just if you want the good answers, let him keep rolling. If yeah, if it was Talk- just another conversation on a blow blown lead, it would almost you'd almost welcome it. But last night's six three loss have has less, left us so much more to talk about. Yeah. And I, I I can only think of my buddy Sammy here, who's the face of Leaf Nation and the roller coaster of a season for you, Sammy. You're on the bandwagon, off the bandwagon, on it. What does last night leave you with? Concern. Concern, concern. Back, back to this natural feeling. You know, this has been the feeling about my favorite hockey team for a long time, and I'm just, you know what, I'm comfortable in the concern. It makes me feel like all is right in the world. You know, uh, restrictions are being lifted uh, in a little bit here. Things are returning to normal. We're heading towards spring, and the Leafs are slumping. You know, I'm just, everything is starting to feel normal again, boys. Yeah, uh, yeah. Last night, didn't love it. Didn't love it. Uh, I got lots of thoughts on it, but I'll let you guys get in. Just, Justin, it, it, it's it's literally one game off a Saturday night win against St. Louis. Yes, St. Louis was shorthanded. Yes, the Leafs had a lead, but yes, they also closed out and found a way to win. Yeah. How much damage did last night's game do from Saturday to Wednesday? Um, because the feel... And I did a hit this morning on on the morning show. Is doom and gloom today, mm-hmm. and I, I I get it on, on certain aspects of it, and we will dissect it. Believe me, better than anybody out there when it comes to the, right. your Toronto Maple Leafs. We will break this down. But wow, what a swing from one game to another. You know, I, I think why that is, Kipper, is not just because it was a loss, but because. It was an opportunity to evaluate things deeper down the lineup, right? We talked about it on yesterday's show. I think we actually did a pretty good job teeing up what might be one of the issues was let's see what they got in Sandine and Lilligren. Let's see what they got in Travis Dermott. These guys are going to play real players in real minutes in a real building, Madison Square Garden. What did they get? First goal, who's on the ice? Dermot and Biega. Next one, Dermot and Sandine. Next one, Sandine and Lilligren. Next one, Dermot and Biega. Last one, I think, was Biega and Lilligren or whoever it was. It, I mean, it was – they got exposed. He said it. Keith said it himself. And essentially, if, if you did happen to catch our show yesterday, that's it was only – it was that simple. It really came down to 
No Muzzin, no Hall. Now we get to find out what's on the blue line. And uh, the description we had is you're throwing the kids into the deep end. Let's see if they can float. Yeah. So let, let me be the guy who takes our clips out of order. Let's start with that one on Sandine and Lilligren. Here, clip three on what Sheldon Keefe had to say on Sandine and Lilligren last night, if we may. They had tough nights. You know, they had tough nights. It's, <laughs> it's a lot to ask of those guys, and it just goes to show how important Jake Muzzin is and even Justin Hall. Um, those guys, as I've talked about a lot, they play very difficult minutes. And uh, you can look at this stat sheet and the, and the minutes and think, well, this guy's capable of playing more. This guy should be playing less. But the type of minutes are different. The responsibilities and the pressures are different. And uh, those guys got a taste of that today. And I, don't, I didn't think it went well for them. But uh, as I said before the game, I, I thought those guys would come out of this experience um, and be better for it, no matter how it goes. One way or another, they're going to be better. You're either going to be better because you proved yourself that you can handle it and you can go, and uh, and then you're off and running and and uh, and all of that, or you show that you still need to continue to work and continue to pick your spots. You want to go? So yeah, you know, hearing him talk about those guys like that in that big moment. I think it's part of what's contributing to what we're talking about here today, Kipper, where, where it's like, it's not just a loss. It's that the second you were without players that you had leaned on, there's nothing there. Like, they're, you know, I, do you think those guys are going to get it figured out between now and April? Maybe. Probably not. It's a lot to ask. So I think there's real concern about depth, and it becomes something that now feels like it has to be fixed, not something you can kind of hope has taken the stride couple of things I got out of Sheldon's comments, the ones that you just played, is, again, you, you just said it. It's a, it's a lot to ask from the, for those guys. And you're putting them in a position to fail. You're not putting them in a position to succeed. And let's just be abundantly clear on that, okay? It was a flyer. A, it was a Hail Mary. It was the ultimate hoper pass. No look in the middle of the ice. And it gets picked off. Yeah. But, you know, I also don't believe in that one way or another they're going to be better for it. You don't know that. That's not part of a strategic development plan to just throw these guys out there and hope that they can manage top four minutes in a more responsible role. The ask is too big. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. we saw last night, full exposure to the point where we, we we said it in the show yesterday. This is the ultimate challenge. Find out what you have. Kreider in front of the net. Can, can, he handle, can they handle a big, strong guy like that? Ryan Reeves, big, strong guy. Can you handle that? The answer is no. When we look at those guys and the progression they've made throughout the the season so far, we know that they can skate. We know they can have some poise when they have some time. Uh, First pass is not an issue with them. Everything seems to be coming. But what is it? Great zone exits. Great zone exits. (laughs) But defending, playing defense, being strong enough and smart enough to handle it the answer 
from last night is clearly JB no. No, it is no. What I do wonder, and I kind of think they were hoping they would figure this out last night or at least get some clues as to the answer, is no, it can't work together. No, it can't work when it's Sandy and Lilligren. But are either of them capable enough that you could pair them with someone that could help them be effective in a, in a lower role? You know, because looking at them together, you're that Kreider goal you're talking about. Lilligren gets punked off the, the wall, but he's probably supposed to hand him off to Sandine, who gets stretched way too far from the net. Like, they're both responsible. Together, it's not working. Could someone do for one of those guys what Justin Muzzin did for, or sorry, Jake Muzzin did for Justin Hall and, and make them a better player? Uh, maybe that's possible. JB, there's not enough time. There's not enough time. You're trying to win the <laughs> yeah. Stanley Cup this year. You're that... not progressing. You're not developing. You're asking them to help you win a Stanley Cup right now. Right. And Sandine doesn't know where to stand last night. He didn't know where to go. Off a face-off, he didn't know what area of the ice to cover. Uh, the, the Fox goal, how much room was there from the low pass oh my God. through the slot to Fox? There wasn't a defenseman to be found in, in front of the net. The yeah. ask is way too much. And we want to go back and we want to look at blue lines on Tampa Bay or St. Louis who have won cups. Like the back-to-back cups for, for Tampa Bay, they used, I think, 15 or 16 different defensemen. And... Yeah. When we're talking about guys that you're talking about that can hold the fort and and just be a helpful, you know, even at a part-time basis, just a, a little helpful on a on a on a sometimes four, five, or six role, you're talking about like Luke Shen, who came to Tampa Bay with like six hundred career games and Colburn, Shankirk, uh, Savard, Bogosian six hundred games. St. Louis, I remember Carl Gunnarsson probably came in with 300 games. Bertuzzo probably had three or 400 games. How are you asking Lilligren now with 30 games in his career to go and, yeah. and, and do this now and try, help us win a Stanley Cup now? And Yeah, and so that's a totally different conversation and a better one, frankly, than can Lilligren play in the NHL or can he help an NHL team? Because he can. He can. He can play in the league. But, you know, I'm looking at, Kipper, I got Sport Logic to give me some numbers on the Leafs D. About nine defensemen have played, you know, any sort of real minutes for them this season. And, you know, I've loved Sandine offensively. You have too, I think. You know, he makes a lot of great passes in the offensive zone into the slot. He creates a lot. He's been very good. Defensively, to, to just to back up our point, so we're not just harping on a couple of kids. In terms of D zone denials, like letting people into the zone, he's ninth out of nine D. Block shots, ninth out of nine D that have played for, uh, significant minutes for them. In terms of D zone pucks, uh, puck battle wins, seventh out of nine. D zone loose puck recoveries, seventh out of nine. Like he he has not been effective on the defensive side of things, and all Lilligan's stats are tough to even consider. Because his strength of opposition is so low, he's not played any lines that are in the top 30% of the league. So Lilligren's not seeing anyone who's any good, and Sandine isn't defending any good. So it's not like you and I are just making this up. There's stats to back it up. In a perfect world, and I, I do like where both of them have headed. I, I think, to your point, they're going to be 
Sandine's got a chance to to be a a star. I really do believe that. His skating is. I love him. Love him as a player. Okay. Truly. I, I I think uh, the sky's the limit with his potential, and he's got a little nastiness. He doesn't mind going in there and and, and hitting the guy every once in a while, but that has to progress for me over. 150, 200 games under his belt before you can start really thinking that this guy can play 20 minutes a night. In a perfect yeah. world, which I know it isn't with the salary cap, but this falls a little bit on Kyle Dubas for having too much money up on the forwards and not enough on the back end, is that you still don't have the luxury to bring him along slowly. I, In a perfect world, I'd still like to see Sandine back with the Marlies being a number one defenseman leading them really? to the Calder Cup. If really? if, you, if you had a deeper if you had a deeper roster where you can bring yeah. them up and play them 20 30 games but still give them give them the feel of being a true number 1 defenseman trying to win a Calder Cup yeah. would be would service the Leafs long term much better. But Kyle doesn't have long term. He only has now. And that's the issue I really see. Yeah, no, it is. It's become urgent. And I think with this, Kipper, like, it's becoming pretty obvious they're going to do something about their construction on the back end. Like, you heard Sheldon Keefe, his comments after the game last night on on their toughness, right? I mean, we joked about him off the top. This is obviously a place that he feels you know, needs to be shored up. Why don't we play the second clip, uh, Sheldon Keefe, on the on the Leafs playing soft, because I think he knows they need different bodies in there. Today, I just thought we played soft, and we made poor decisions defensively. Uh, we couldn't sort anything out. Uh, I just thought it was just just far different. Like, each game has been different, so it's hard It's hard to, to talk about patterns other than the obvious in that we've been giving up leads, but... I just thought we got exposed today for being a team that was just soft, soft and purposeless and just kind of playing the game and just hoping it was going to work out. Okay. I mean, we've enjoyed, boy, boy. We, we've enjoyed <laughs> Sheldon's comments uh, and we love breaking them down and dissecting them. Uh, but uh, this one, I thought he went overboard. This one, I would have an issue if I'm Kyle Dubas and, and Brendan Shanahan. Well, good, because he's going right at him. So. He is. And and maybe maybe he's a guy that has no patience, you know, even with the, the lack of experience he's had, uh, you know, in his young NHL coaching career. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to see how this thing plays out. But under no circumstances, if I'm Brendan Shanahan or Kyle Dubas, do I want to hear my head coach saying that we were exposed? I, You want I, to say we're yeah. soft last night? Okay. But now you're actually calling us a soft team, and you're, what you did last night was validate to maybe what other teams – thought of us and I'd rather them think we're soft than have a head coach stamp an approval all over it that uh, to me yeah ex- saying we're exposed is 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 a is a backhanded way to say we're a facade 
Yeah. No, I, I you know, I, I think it's coming to a head here, though, where it's like, I don't know that Keith really cares. Well, I know he cares, but he he does seem to be directly challenging those guys and or Keith or sorry, uh, Dubis in general, and just saying the experiment of these kids and bringing them along is not what we need to be. If I don't have the horses, you know, I can only do so much. And so maybe well, they've had that conversation, but behind the scene, a hundred times, Kipper. Horses, <laughs> right? <laughs> there, there. You, there's a big difference between saying you don't have the horses or challenging the horses that you have. I would have preferred him just challenging them either publicly or behind the scenes, rather than just saying we're exposed. I mean, we're naked in front of you, and we 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 don't have it. We're, we're soft. We don't have it. We're exposed. I'm gonna wait. And I don't know where you. Yeah. I don't know if you can go back off of that. I don't. Al, Sammy, I, I just, I kind of agree with what Kipper's saying, and the fact that the thing that you said that I think you nailed, is that you don't have to confirm to the rest of the league what everyone feels about the Leafs. You don't have to have the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs going up and saying that you're soft they and exposed because that's how the rest of the league feels about the Toronto Maple. Listen, it's a pattern. You know, everyone talked about how they were 18-0-0 going into third periods this year when they had the lead and all that. Like, oh, they don't blow leads. The Toronto Maple Leafs in this era of hockey has been doing this sort of thing for the entire Matthews, Dubis, whatever kind of era you want to do. Blowing leads, blowing leads to Montreal Canadiens in the first round, blowing leads in game sevens, being generally soft. They're looked upon that by other teams' fans, other teams, as a soft team that you can kind of push around. And I agree with Kipper that the coach going out there and saying that and confirming what people believe would really piss me off if I'm Kyle Dubas, for sure. And I I think Kipper nailed it saying that. I would upset me deeply if I'm Kyle Dubas. And that's fine. You know, it's fine that he would be upset. I think that's part of what's going on here is like a, what are we going to do? Continue to just do run into the brick wall because we're trying to trick people into thinking we're, we're not soft? Like, we are. We are soft, and we need to face it head on. I'll tell you a little Dubas story. Dubas had uh, Trevor Moore with us at the Toronto Marlies, who, a good hockey player, but they thought he was scared going into the corners. They just, they didn't, they had a number of clips of... Uh, of him going in there, and Dubas read some book or came up with something where he said the only way to deal with reality is to face it head on. The only way to to make someone accept these things is to face it head on. They brought him in. They said, watch, we think you are scared. Tell us you're not scared. I think it's the same idea here with Sheldon Keefe is doing to Kyle Dubas. He's saying, we, I think we're soft. I think we need to look at it and own it in game 40 before it buries us in game 83. Who cares what everyone thinks of us? We need to fix this. So, who 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 are the Trevor Moores right now? Who's he calling in and saying, "How scared are you?" It's the thing with Lilligren and Sandine. It's I don't think they're scared. Just they're not big enough, strong enough human beings. You can have all the courage in the world, but if you go up against someone twice your size and a Ryan Reeves, Sandine's never going to push him out of the out of the crease. 
So then what you're telling me then if if, if Sheldon Keefe is publicly calling out Kyle and, and Brendan for the for for the soft roster, I you're going to go fix this between now and March? Really? Like, I think so. If, if, I don't if, think if, there are many people away. If if we want to go back, we are talking about a team when they first started building this thing that was skill, 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 skill. They wanted, they didn't care. 5'7", five, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, give me the most skilled guy, and that's what we want. And somehow, some way, and I know we've had this conversation before, there was a little bit of a, a switch where it's the skills just not enough. But here we are last night, and the the bulk of that philosophy is still intact for me. They want to go out and win on their skill, and they've got a ton of it. And when it's on, man, look out. But you can't win every game just outskilling with your toe drags and your big loops around the offensive zones and the drop passes. Sometimes you got to get your nose dirty and ugly. And last night was was clearly a New York Rangers that was that was willing to do that a lot more than the Leafs. And I just well, and I, I think I, I don't see enough time now between now and the trade deadline that you're really gonna. Change the shape of what that philosophy was three and four years ago, JB. But to be fair to to Dubis here, like he's tried, you know, he's brought in he's brought in Kyle Clifford, he's brought in um, Simmons, he brought in uh, Richie, who's supposed to play I mean, that type of game. And, yeah. He even he brought in um, the guy that they traded to Chicago, the really tough guy that never Gabriel. actually got to play uh, the. Gabriel. They brought in Gabriel. They've brought in these type of guys to sort of, I guess, change the way the, the they're looked upon or the way they play. But I don't know. I just it it feels kind of like it's the top four the way it's the way it's constructed. They're gonna play one way, and it kind of like when's the last time Simmons is throwing a hit? When's the last time he's played with that sort of edge? When's you know even Clifford doesn't seem to play with that kind of edge where he's throwing his weight around fighting. It just feels like they all, no matter who they put in the blue and white sweaters. They play a certain way, and that's why we got all so fired up when they played that game against Winnipeg, where they were standing up for themselves. They're flying around, Spets' knee and guys in the head, and it just has <laughs> that aspect okay. of it hasn't and, necessarily and, been there. And, and did we get a sniff out of them last night on that? And no. I've been in that role, and I, I know sometimes it's it's hard to manufacture, but Ryan Reeves. And that fourth line ate up the Leafs' fourth line for breakfast. Caved him in. Okay. And at the same time, I don't know what Simmons played. Six or seven minutes. It's it's not the easiest thing to do. Squeeze out a, you know, a lot out of six or seven minutes. I think Reeves ended up playing five or six more minutes uh, than than Simmons. But I don't I don't necessarily just hang last night on on a fourth line, but. Those guys were off. They did not bring it at all. It's a big yeah. game. They didn't bring it. The the one thing I'll push back on with uh, you know your point, Sammy, because I, I agree with Kipper that those guys you know need to find a way to be relevant in the games where you clearly need it. But I think there's a you used to be a lack of willingness to play 
eat, not just like punch them tough or mean tough, but just to play tough, go to the net, stop at the crease. There used to be a mindset issue to me. Now I think what we're talking about is different. It's that they're not physically capable in some places where you need them to be. And specifically, I'm talking about the bottom end of the D, whereas the bottom end of the forward group is physically capable. If you can get them in the mindset, Engvall's huge and Simmons is strong and Clifford's big and they're big boys. I just think they physically lack the size on the back end. They get up a couple of goals too in that game. And I don't know, Kipper, do you think the starts, like they think it's just going to be easy after that? Or they want to go for a, a cookie cookie night in your words? Or like, yes. Yeah, I... I uh... Sheldon t- touched on it a little bit, but uh, mentally it's a, a 3-1 lead. And I, I don't know whether it's like we're going to end up winning six, by six or seven and I want to get my points. And I don't know what it is, but it is a character flaw. It is it is absolutely uh, something within their, their build or their mindset. Yep. Because they cannot finish a game. They cannot put together a string of 60 minutes. And there are, some, series. There are mm-hmm. some shifts that, you know, you don't have to blow the zone. You don't have to uh, create this uh, this rush. Sometimes a chip, sometimes uh, staying on the right side, being patient is, is enough. Yeah. You know, munch the clock down, but, you know, do it in a – in a constructive way. They they have not figured out 60 minutes. Well, let's uh let's throw to Sheldon Keith's clip on the starts and then I'll uh, I'll jump in on that. You know, we've had a lot of really good starts to games here of late. Uh obviously it's been the the finish that hasn't gone uh well or the second half of games hasn't gone well. And tonight maybe you know I Maybe the fast start ended up working against us. I, I don't know because I just thought we we just played the game as always going to be really easy the rest of the way and uh, paid for it. So spot the Islanders 2 nothing Saturday and see what happens. Try something new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. It is bizarre, though. It is bizarre that they you know have consistently gotten up and can't hang on. So... I, I do believe, and you know, we're we're talking about a lot of high level uh, things here with guessing on people's psychology and all that. But I do believe in what Sheldon is talking about that, like these guys, kind of think it's going to be easy. If you go in early and you just think I just got to play well enough from here on in, and it's not going to be, you know, as much of a grind to do those awfully difficult things. I think it's a theme. So can I can I ask you guys a question? Mm-hmm. How much of it? you know, is a mentality thing and how much of it is saves drying up because in the, over the past five games, the Leafs have been outscored nine, three in third periods. And the Leafs save percentage in those periods has been eight, one, six with the opponent's save percentage being nine, three, eight. And that stats from sports that stats. So, I mean, we can talk about high level blowing leads and what, what they're doing and the coaching and the mentality and the players, but how much of it comes down to not getting key saves at key times over this last little stretch? First of all, I don't actually think he's played that bad. You go though, Kipper. The level of play that Jack has provided the Toronto Maple Leafs for the first half of the, the season was off the charts. Unbelievable. Okay. To even like, how could you have not a month ago, predicted that this will 
fall off. This will, this, there's no way he can hold this level, and there's no way we can keep expecting this type of goaltending. How you could not have foreseen that coming three or four weeks ago is beyond me. And I, again, with, with Sheldon's comments, it's almost as if he, he expected that level to continue. And it's like, no, not a chance. I don't even remotely look at this oh. as, a, as a Jack Campbell. Uh, is, he, is he a little leaky right now compared to what we've been accustomed to for the first 35 games? Yeah, but I, I, I don't hold this as a, a goaltending issue right now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, when you are spoiled, I don't have children, guys, but I, I have a very spoiled wiener dog. So when you spoil, when you're <laughs> spoiled, when you're a spoiled individual or a spoiled dog, what do you expect to, to continue? The spoiling. So as soon as somebody, you know, Keith has been unbelievably spoiled with how good Jack Campbell's been for him at this point. And now that it's dipped below unotherworldly goaltending, he seems to be a little bit perturbed about it. So when you're spoiled, you want to continue to be spoiled. So I don't think he ever thought that this sort of gravy train, this goaltending was ever going to dip. In his mind, he probably thought it was always going to continue to be like this. No? Well, well let's, let's, listen to, let's listen to Keith talk about Campbell. Well, I mean, he's 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 not playing to the same level. I think that's that's obvious. We've come to expect his you know his ability to make big saves, not unlike the one he made midway through the third there. Um, you know, another time we left him wide open at the crease and he made a huge save. We've come to expect those from him. Um, you know, but like I said, we we didn't play nearly as well, nearly well enough as a team here tonight, um, and we got exposed in a lot of areas that we haven't necessarily uh, been exposed. And that's why I feel this one's different. And this one, um, you know, this one should bother us greatly uh, because the, just how we played wasn't nearly good enough. And like I said, coaches all the way through the lineup, not nearly good enough. So I thought he makes the comment about Campbell and then spends the rest of that quote trying to kind of soften it a little bit, mm -hmm. trying to walk it back. You know, maybe I was a little bit too harsh there. But I also feel like, Kipper, you know this as well as anyone, that like when a coach is trying to sell something to the team and they're winning, they don't see the reason to change how they're playing. And this, to me, is a coach who's trying to get the attention of his team, too, in saying... Yeah, you've been winning, but it's not as good. The results have been better than your play. We got exposed because these issues have always been there, and Campbell's been covering them up. I think his point is not so much that Campbell's been terrible, but boys, when Campbell is even average, you get to stare head on that we do have issues and always have. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think deep down he knows uh, for sure uh, what exactly Campbell's done, and and I think the issues have probably been there bubbling for the last little while. And maybe it was just last night that it erupted like a volcano for, yeah. for Sheldon Keefe. But, uh, you know, uh, just thinking about the end of last night's game and this morning. And now all of a sudden, you know, if you just start mirroring a little bit of what Frederick Anderson went through the last few years and what it looks like it may trend into could kind of mirror themselves a little bit last few years, Frederick Anderson boys, 
standing on his head, stealing games by himself, holding the Leafs in, getting them two points when they didn't deserve it, and then back half starting to fade a little bit. And maybe it's maybe it wasn't as much as on Frederick Anderson as everybody thought. Maybe it's just similar issues on the blue line, a goaltender losing trust in the guys in front of him, and all of a sudden style of play may change a little bit here, but I, it, it could trend into that direction. If, if you don't trust your, your defense, you cannot be as aggressive. You worry about backdoor plays, and your play's affected. Maybe, maybe it's catching up to Jack a little bit here. Well, yeah, it's very possible. I also think that when you give a goalie $3.8 million times three years, this is when you're expecting to have someone to come pick it up. You know, like Campbell's not feeling it. And to be honest, I said that this a little bit earlier, but like I think the puck's just finding some weird holes right now. Like that Reeves second one, he smacks it at the net. It goes off the D stick and under the bar. Like I think he's been a little unlucky, but this is where it should be like we're fine because Mrazic can go in and give us a 9-10 or a 9-15. You know, we got a capable guy. It's not like you have Hutchison or Wool. So let's see. Let's see if now is the time when the gamble to get a second good goaltender can pay dividends for them. Because, you know, actually we got the other clip of Jack. Like, you know, just listen to what Jack had to say. He's feeling a little bit desperate about his performance lately. Maybe he feels Mrazic coming. Yeah, I just want to be better, and I'll look at the tape, and I'll work on it, and I promise I'll be better. I promise. I promise, Coach! Don't give Peter all the games! Yeah, I... (laughs) I promise I'll be there. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm right there with you guys. I I did not like the. I, I promise to be better. And I promise uh, I'll be better. And this is just I, my kid again, says that to me while we're talking about kids. Well, <laughs> this is I. I wish Jack would love himself as much as he loves his teammates. As much as we all love him. Well, you know how we feel about him. Everybody, the city, uh, everybody yeah. cheers for this guy. But it 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 really bothers me to hear him put it upon himself there. And just one simple change in his comments could fix everything. And that is going from I to we. He had three yeah, like eyes. That. I need to be better. I need, you know, and it's like, no, we just we jack it's not upon you you've done everything humanly possible up until this point this is but terrible. this is not an i issue it's a we issue just that simple change jack would change the perception that you have upon yourself and maybe the one that we have on you yeah that that that's a really good piece of therapy there about you know, really appreciating how much of it is a team game and being able to look yourself in the eye after a bad performance and say, you know, well, we didn't have it tonight. It is, it's a little bit excessive. Um, but we've talked about that over and over. And even Jack has talked about people talking about that. We asked him about that on our show, Nick. And he was like, yeah, people ask me that all the time. He, he clearly cannot get past that hurdle. You know, you wonder, is it, is that something that gives you pause about, you know, having him in a playoff series where the pressure is through the roof, a guy who can pour, pile on himself like that? Mm-hmm. Well, there's no question that uh, 
it's it's probably held them back all these years. Probably, I, I don't disagree. I I I, I got to think that uh, as far as pure skill or the ability to stop a puck has always been there, much like golfers, goalies. A lot of it's between the ears and your ability to have a short memory and an ability to focus on things that you can control. Uh, but he's proven he's a fantastic goaltender and he's proven that uh, he can he can get the job done. But as the stakes get higher, to your point, yeah, there's probably a lot people are going to still want to see moving forward. Mm-hmm. I, I Again, I... I look at this, I, I think if there was a different blue line, some more experience, bigger, a little tougher, a little meaner in front of the net for him, it could go a long way so, for, for, here, for Mrazek or Campbell moving forward. But here's the thing. I, I think you could quibble with some of the goals in St. Louis on Saturday night. I think that was probably a worse performance. Like, which ones did you want him to have last night? These like they're wide open tap ins, most of them, right? You think about you think about uh, Reeves standing. I mean, it's Ryan Reeves. It's the first time he scored two goals in a game since 2013. But he's standing between the hash marks by himself. Uh, the go ahead goal, Ryan Strom, the puck lands on his stick back door. There's nothing he can do. Kreider on top of him, no one around him. The defense is a huge issue last night, and I think it's a great lesson to a lot of Leaf fans like myself that have been pretty hard on Justin Hall and pretty hard on Jake Muzzin, boys are pretty important to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, <laughs> they, are, they may not be perfect. They may be having down years. But, boy, when the alternative second pairing is Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren, I think you're praying for those guys to get back in the lineup sooner rather than later because, boy, they're a big-time step up from that pairing. And, Sam, we don't even know even if they were able to kind of get back to the level that I think people expect if even that's enough when you talk about trying to win four rounds Good point when you talk about uh injuries and you talk about suspensions that's to my, to my point is that you're going to need another couple of defensemen For and you're sure. going to need experienced ones maybe three <laughs> well i don't know i thought it was telling last night that he gave hall some love you know like i think he's feeling some of the heat for hall and, you know, maybe think some of it's uh, not deserved based on the thing he mentioned. He mentioned the minutes, the pressures, the responsibilities. We've been watching Justin Hall take shifts against Connor McDavid the last couple of years. You know, so to have him playing a little bit, you know, below his standard, but still in very, a very difficult situation, there should be some respect for the fact that, you know, he's not playing the same minutes as, as Dermot. And that's why part of the reason he's looked tougher. I know it hasn't been a good year for him, but I appreciate Keith trying to bail him out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Some can, I, can we find some positives? Yes, McKayev? I was just going to say. J, JB, say. Are, you, are, are you in on McKayev? Some love for McKayev? <laughs> Come on, JB, you can do it. <laughs> I feel no different about him today than I did oh, three months come ago. On. I mean, I still, six, I've always liked him. Six goals in eight games. Show me the six money. in his last forty. Okay, what about <laughs> six uh, in his last eight? What about the agent's uh, tweet? And then I think um, deleted. Is that what happened? Real quick, yeah, show me the it. money. 
Yeah, and then he deleted it. it. I, I, I'm kind of I'm on team. Let the agents go wild. Give me Alan Walsh with the memes and Milstein saying, "Show me the money." Let's go full WWE on this thing. You know, just just up my entertainment value. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I show me the imagined... money in Columbus. Yeah, that's exactly right, isn't it? But I, um, I thought that third line was excellent last night. That's that's one thing that I took from that game with with Engvall Camp and Angvall. Angvall has the best game of his as a Leaf. He was buzzing. He was everywhere. He had lots of chances. He was going north with the puck, which he doesn't usually do. I really thought that third line was good, God. and thought that maybe puts, they could. What what do you think of it, Kip? Well, if he puts away that what shorthanded breakaway, yep. mm-hmm. like yep. think about that momentum swing right there. Mm-hmm. God, but, it was three uh, three when Nylander had that breakaway last night in the yes, third period. Sir. Yeah, I, I, I only imagine maybe some of the conversations between uh, Dan Milstein, uh, the agent for McKayev, and, and the Leafs. Like, they're, they're probably, there's probably a lot more that's gone on behind the scenes for him to send that message out, don't that's you think? Point. Like, you, 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 you made me an offer, it was brutal, and here he is, keep scoring, show me the money. It was almost as if it was like out of, out of a sheer frustration frustration again for maybe a negotiation that has not gone well at all they want to sign him they love him they want to keep him but clearly to a lesser extent uh, he'll never hit the number that that zach hyman hit at, at five oh my five. god oh my to, god to here's this but thing with mccann he, he, he will uh, he will outprice himself here will he not jb yeah i mean i i was thinking a couple million three million something in that range no can i can I say oh, that? I, I've got, I've got uh, <laughs> uh, Tanov. Tanov. What, what's Tanov signed uh, in Pittsburgh before he moved to Seattle? Three and a Something half? Way too high, wasn't it? Six times three and a half, I think. Yeah, I, could, I no, don't know. Six, but I could see three and a half. That's where it's going to start, don't you think? <laughs> on my list of, on, hey, on my list of things I care about with the Toronto Maple Leafs this year, Mikheyev's pending free agency is bottom of the list. I don't care. Give me a good stretch of hockey here, play well in the playoffs, and go have fun in Columbus or Dallas making $3 million. I couldn't you, care less. You'll drive him to the airport? Yeah, like, sure. He, oh, the puck, the puck never went in for him ever, and now it's bounced off him into the net five or six times. I couldn't care less. He's the exact same guy. It's uh, expected right. goals percentages through the roof. Let me push my glasses up my nose. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> he's been Anyways. better. Yeah. Also, also, if we're going to uh, end the segment off on a, on a great note, Mitch Marner scores his first power play goal since reaching shot. puberty. That was a nasty. <laughs> that was a nasty goal, boys. What the a whole great goal! Behind the net with uh, Tavares winning the battle, fighting the puck out in front while falling down, backhand blind, Nylander bar down Marner. That was that was filthy. It's, it's almost like their best four players are good players. It's almost like that. Yeah, was, wasn't even close. He was by far the best uh, 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 forward for the Leafs, best player, right? Oh, Mitch, Mitch Marner, Marner. Was unbelievable yeah. last night. So much yeah. pop in his step, the vision. He actually, you know, shooting one like that. He he's been fantastic the last few games. And we were all okay with the disallowed uh, kick in goal. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that People was were mad because, too. but just because other screw ups happen doesn't mean they have to screw that one up. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, there was this kick in in October. It's like, well, because they got that one wrong means they got to get this one wrong. Like there was a clear kick. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those yeah. ones where do you think he kicked it in? Yes. All right then, yes. moving on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Agreed. didn't have his best game, Matthews. 
No, I think he only had one or two shots. I think maybe one shot for the first time in I don't know one zillion games. Says Sport Logic. Still a hell of a run. Hell of a run on the road. Sam, did we uh, we solve anything? No, we should probably break so we can get to talk. Yeah, we got Rick talking coming. (laughs) Rick talking. There's a guy that knows how to win Stanley Cups. Three over his career. He's after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born, show number 73. Joining us now, been on the show a few times, Rick Tockett, hockey analyst with TNT. Man, you guys are kicking it down there. Chemistry, the knowledge, the energy. Wow. The goofiness. Hey, the goofiness. You you would have got out of coaching years ago if you knew that you were this good. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. I'm so good. They gave me the. I got the week off this week. You know, every every gets like their time <laughs> off, and this was my week. And so they, they, they had to pick they had to pick Gretz in there for me. You know, they, oh. I was the first liner until Gretz gone. So he took my he took me last night. So he so I had the week off, and uh, now and I, I don't think I get a week off for a while now. God, he's got the great schedule and and the best paycheck, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think Gretz has only worked four weeks this year, and um, <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to speculate what he's making, but I'm sure he's doing okay. Well, it's pretty awesome. You know, I, I will say that the best stuff that I've seen has included you on the panel. I, I want to want to hear about the how you guys decided to go to to go outside the studio and try to smash sticks on live television. How does a conversation like that come up? And also, how does it go so poorly? That was unbelievably fun to watch. Yeah, well, they said they when I mean, Rick Bonus snapped their ass. You know, deservedly so. He thought he got ripped off there in the St. Louis game. He was trying to break. You know, he's smashing the stick. So. Uh, Liam was talking. The producer said, "Hey, you know, and, and a lot of these guys are, you know, they're learning the game too, and they're like, hey, those sticks hard to break, and blah blah." And then, so we said, "Hey, we're going to do this thing. We'll see who can break these sticks." But little did I know, a couple of those guys, Carter, Anthony Carter, and Liam, they they pre broke their stick. Like they had the guy cut their <laughs> stick a little bit, right? <laughs> so they, those things just snap off. Me and Biz, Biz almost breaks his uh, femur, and then I, uh, you know, geez, I, I I couldn't I couldn't get my thing to break. So it was a uh, it was definitely uh, it was a fun skit. It was good. That's usually a, a practical joke for guys uh, during practice, where you cut three quarters of uh, the, the middle of the shaft and then put a little bit of tape over it. So when he goes out there and takes a slap shot for the first time, he rolls over and almost separates his shoulder. <laughs> Talk, you weren't one of those guys, were you? Well, Kipper, you might know the story with Hitch. That's a famous story where. You know, Hitch uh, would go on the ice, and uh, you know he'd like to lean on a stick. You know, during practice sometimes, and when he was a lot bigger, you know, he's obviously lost a lot of weight. It's good for him, but the guys had what they, they cut half his shaft. So you know, when Hitch would lean on his stick, he went down pretty hard. So uh, <laughs> that's the sort of stuff that guys would do. Uh, I've never, I've never done that. I've never done cut a guy's half his shaft, but I know okay. that was one story that the guys did to Hitch. All right, uh, give us a name here. Does that have like uh, Brett Hall written all over it, or like? <laughs> have you yeah, got a know, name for us? Uh, let's let's put it this way: Cause is it Holly or is it Jeremy Roenick? Is it one of those guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it, Jared, Jared hey, was it, the best. He, he's, he's a he's a prankster. And the one thing I love about Jr. It didn't matter if you were a star player, a head coach, or a general manager; he would prank you. 
guaranteed it wasn't anybody on the fourth line. I can assure you that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no chance. Hey, uh, talk. Uh, you know, you're you're, you're a Toronto guy, Scarborough guy. Uh, you know, uh, nothing's really changed between the time that you grew up here and and today, where it's like love the Leafs or hate the Leafs. But uh, there's no question that right now, off that loss against New York, man, there's a lot of yeah. people second guessing this club like they have since 1967. Yeah, um, listen, you got to have a lot of thick skin. Uh, you got to have a lot of resolve. You got to have a, you know. A lot of conviction in you as, as a make believe in management or whatever to know what you're doing the right thing. You know, uh, I mean, you know, obviously, Sheldon Keith said about that they're playing. You know, it's a soft game, and I, and I was thinking about what he said because, you know, Nick, you, you played the game, Kipper. Like, you know, we've had some games where the team hasn't played well, and me and you didn't play well. And we looked like, you know, listen, you're not a soft player, and I'm not a soft player, but we kind of look soft up there. Um, and when the coach says that, you know, high alert, and usually the next game, you know, we come out rambunctious and try to say, hey, man, you know, the coach is right. So I just think this is a minor bump. You know, I think that Leafs have uh, obviously had a, so far as a great season. Um, you just can't have a habit of this. And obviously playing in that the limelight and the, and the Rangers being one of the top teams too, um, it, it's, it's, it's magnified. Uh, so to me, I'm looking at how they respond the next couple of games. That's when I'm going to really judge um, how that game is. Listen, yeah, were they a little softer? Yeah. Um, and that will, will it put doubts in some people's probably, but uh, just as long as it's not doubt in with the guys in the room and, and guys in up, uh, upstairs wearing the suits. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm with you on, on, on ha- having a soft game or, you know, just yeah. saying this wasn't our night, but the one that bothered me a little bit talk was the following comment I think Sheldon had that uh, that he thought that uh, they were exposed, you know, today. And now it's the fine line between maybe having a soft game or just being soft. And, I, you know, if I'm going to use the word exposed, I'm going to use it on the other team. I would never use it upon our own team. And I just don't want – I don't know whether or not there's this maybe underlying message from Sheldon to back to his management team – or Brendan Shanahan that, you know, we, we got exposed today and uh, you, you guys got to fix this. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, just a perspective as a coach and, and, and as a head coach, so sometimes after a game when you are pissed and you're, you're a little hot, sometimes we do say stuff that, you know, we don't really mean. Um, and sometimes we do, and you just got to be careful. Um, you know, you're right. Saying exposed and stuff to your team is a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a red flag. Where is it going with? I'm not sure where where he meant that, uh, or you know how deep to go with that. Um, but I'm sure that uh, you know. Hopefully, that, you know, I'm a big believer in the GM and the coach. They, they have to be so. The communication has to be so good. I, um, there's got to be a talk after. You know, I'm sure there's. You know, Sheldon or, or, or Dubas, they had that talk, and and he probably said what he felt. You know, um, so yeah, it's a tough one for me because I've been in a situation after a game. You're so pissed that you say something. Uh, but you don't mean it to go that way. So not yeah. to give him an excuse. Yeah, that's I fair. Think was, I think it was, yeah, I think, I think he was upset and he, and he used that word. And, um, you know, I, but here's one thing. Um, I think when you have great GMs and, and coach uh, relationships, you got to have a dialogue where the coach is talking to the gentleman and say, listen, you know, things are going pretty good, but I think we, we could get exposed down the road here if we get the plus because of this, this and that. And hopefully the general manager 
you know, takes it in stride and, and you guys talk it out and, and there's not a rift because I've seen it go the other way too. How much when you were a coach did you assume that the players were reading or consuming of your comments? Like how often did you consciously oh. try to send a message to your team by what you said to the media? Oh, these, these guys, they, they're all over Twitter. They, they, know exa- they know exactly what you've said yeah. after a press conference by the time they get in their car. Um, I'm not a really big believer of trying to set a message through the media to my players. To me, I'm more, I'm going to go tell the player or my team in the dressing room. So you try to keep it pretty generic. Um, I, you know, I think I was a little, especially early in my head coach, I'd be a little bit harder on the, team, the player teams. I probably wouldn't do as much now. I think if you're going to talk to players, talk in the room and, and try to give the, the media generic. Sometimes you have to give a, a little bit more, you know, to, to the media and stuff and, you know, you know the player's going to read it, but I, I don't want to use it as a message. Um, I'd rather tell the player or the team myself than go through the media. Talk a lot of talk uh, in the last 24 hours about Muzzin and Hall not being in the lineup last night and then going to Lilligren and Sandine, uh, two young guys who showed uh, so far some, some great upside, but just the ask talk to move a gu- to move guys in that, arguably are five, six, or seventh on your depth chart to three and four. And how hard is that? And I've mentioned Stanley Cup champions the last few years asking guys to play five, six, or seventh positions, but have had four, five, six hundred games under their belt. Um, have, have you been in positions where you've asked guys knowing that you're, you're really putting them in a position to fail rather than succeed? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, Muzzin being out, it's a, it's a big loss. I mean, he's a he's a guy that eats up a lot of minutes, and he's, you know, if he's in that lineup, maybe he prevents a goal or two. Uh, you know, um, that's a, so it's a big ass, yeah. But here's the thing, though, like we've all been in situations like that. And I, you know, I've even as a, myself as a rookie and a guy that maybe you know was a little exposed out there. Like your team leaders really can put a blanket over and really help you. So, or the team system or whatever. So yeah, short term, you can get away with it. Um, obviously long term. So yeah, it's a big ask, um, but you're really hoping your team can kind of blanket that. Um, that's really what you try to do as a head coach uh, and, and try to maybe, and it's hard because, you know, especially, on, you know, when you're on the road, you know, you're not going to get the matchups you want, but you know, as a five and six, uh, sometimes you're going to get exposed um, especially in the playoffs. Like, you know, I remember we played the Washington Capitals and we had that, you know, Benino, Hagelin, and, and Kessel line. And as the, our third line, and Washington Capitals had no answer. They had, I think they had a player who was hurt and they had to play their seventh D, and I forget the guy's name. And the poor guy, that's the matchup he got, and we ate them alive. Those guys had a terrific, you know, they had no, they had, you know, they had Carlson, those guys going against Sid and Gino, but they had no answer for that. So, you know, when you have those five, six, and they can't play against, like, a, a top third-line thing, you're in trouble. Talk, you know, when you're running a, a bench, you're primarily focusing on uh, the forward group, I presume. What, you know, how much effort are you able, or attention, are you able to put into D matchups? Like, I'm thinking last night watching the, the Leafs' bottom pair, you know, being put out there against some pretty good lines. Is that something you would give your attention to, or are you primarily focused on the forward group? Well, no, I mean, you know, the, the D thing is probably the number one thing. Um, you know, you got to get that guy out in certain situations. You know, Panarin and those guys have been out. Uh, you know they've been out there for a long shift. You know, hey, listen, you got a minute and a half probably 
so you can probably give your top defenseman a rest for a minute and a half, but you won't, you know you're going to get him back out. Or if Panarin and those guys have a short shift, you got to be Larry. You probably have to go right back with your number one guy again. I mean, those are some things that you really got to be dialed in, and you really need to help the assistant coach in your bench because it's hard. Because you know the other the other coach is smart too. They're like, uh, hey, we want this matchup. We want you know we want Panarin against this guy. Um, so there's a lot of attention that Ford's is a little bit easier, I think, sometimes because you know you got four of them, and hopefully two lines are are really good defensively, so you can kind of. You know, if you make a mistake, you got the next line that can kind of cover the coach's mistake. But the D gets a little bit uh, gets a little bit harder. Uh, talk in terms of the goaltending with the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's no question that uh, Jack Campbell has uh, had a half a season for the ages. Man, he was uh, incredible. Uh, but it just seems to be uh, trending maybe in a slower direction for him in the back half of this season. There's uh, Peter Morazic, but overall, are, are you a firm believer that you, you got to go in there with a definitive number one hot goalie, or is this league more set up for a one, a one, a, uh, and, and can have success? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, it depends on the gap between one and one in, in, in you know, one, a one B, um, you know, you really, you'll see, like, I'm a big believer, like, the goaltender, you know, just from talking to the goaltenders, coaches, and even, you know, being around Fleury uh, when, when he was, uh, when I was with Pittsburgh, you know, Murray and all these guys, and the way they think the game, and Darcy Kemper was, you, you, the games are, I judge goalies, like, not October, November. I mean, the heat starts coming after Christmas, the games get tighter, you start to, you know, the game's more important. That's when you really see where this go. You know, which goalie is your guy. You know, it's easy. You know, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's obviously I've never played goalie. Goalie's the hardest position, but it's always easier playing October, and November. You know, that there's not as much pressure. You can, you know, if you lose a game, you can. You know, there's a lot of games. Now it's getting tight, right? Especially if your team's trying to make the playoffs. So goaltending is a premium. So you got to make sure your guy is mentally strong and he's rested. Um, and you know, you don't always, you know, you can't always play your top guy in pressure situations because, you know, it's really, it puts a lot of miles on a guy. And I think, the, you know, obviously Jack Campbell, he's their guy. I mean, he's got to be their guy. They got to set him up. You know, they're, listen, at least they're going to make the playoffs, but they got to set him up where for my thing, where when March and April comes around that he is mentally ready to go sharp and rested, but not worn out. I think that's the key uh, for him because, you know, that's where he, Listen, Tristan Jari, Campbell, guys like that are going to be judged not on regular season. It's going to be the playoffs. They, you know, they're both having terrific seasons, but they're going to be judged in April. And uh, both of them, as, as, whether it's unfair or not, that's really what's going to come down to. You know, looking at the uh, the Eastern Conference and the Atlantic Division in general, it's just loaded, man. Like Florida, Tampa Bay, and Boston, all the in the Atlantic right now. Who do you like best in that division? Boston, obviously, adding Rask looks like they're uh, about to be as formidable as they have been in the past. Uh, I'm guessing it's not Toronto. Who do you like best there? Well, I'll tell you the team. Like, like the, the team that doesn't like. Obviously, it, it does get love, but like Carolina for me is like they get. They'll, they, they, they've had a terrific year, but what I liked about them, they, they, they got pounded the other night by Columbus. And then they go right into Boston and beat up Boston. Like, that's when you know you have a really good hockey team. You're going to have your moments. Tampa's the same way. You know, you know I, I talked to Coop all, He's a great coach. It's like, hey, they might not play their best, and they might have a couple of games where, hey, man, this is a, this is a back-to-back Stanley Cup chance. But then the third game, 
you know why they're the Stanley Cup uh, back-to-back champions. Um, you know, Boston, they've had a hell of a run, um, you know, until they uh, lost against Carolina. And Toronto, like I said, so really it's going to be very important in seedings. I really do. Um, it's a hard one for me because it really it's going to come down to goaltending. It always is. It's it's probably the vanilla chicken, you know, uh, chicken to answer. But to me, it comes down from goaltending and your top guys that they get hot, you know. You know, your top guys can will yourself, uh, uh, you know, in the playoffs for sure or get to a good playoff seed. Hey, talk one more um, for me before I let you go. Uh, earlier, we just t- we spoke of uh, coaches maybe sending messages through the media. What about yeah. players? And I, uh, I want to specifically talk about uh, as a coach, if you watched um, a player like Dreisaitl go at it with a, a, a member of the media, um, how concerned would you be as a coach to maybe, you know, get involved if you think that it, it has an effect on, on performance in the past? Have you always kind of listened uh, somehow, some way with, with things that uh, the players have said through the media or in a situation like Dreisaitl? Absolutely. I think it's uh, you can sense frustration in your player with some of the comments, right? Uh, good or bad. Um, and it's important as a coach you get to it as soon as you can. Uh, you got to help out your player. I mean, there's frustration, obviously, in McDavid and Drysaddle's voice. You know, it's, it's and you got to remember these guys got to answer the questions every day. You know, it's if they lose, it's, it's you know, they ask them. If they win, it's they ask them. Um, so after a while, they're going to have some bad days. Like, and you know, and it's okay. It's okay for you know sometimes everybody's making a big deal about Drysaddle's blow up. You know, he was testy. It's okay, and I, I, I don't think that's a problem because you know you're not always going to be on your game. Like a Tom Brady, he's probably the Greatest, he's the greatest. He's had some blowups with the media, but yeah, he's a he's a Teflon guy too. So, I just think that uh, the the coach and I, I'm sure Tip has had talk and probably tried to deflect a little of the the, uh, the you know the fire away from those guys because listen, when those guys are on their game and they're mind free, those guys are the best players in in the game. And right now, their their minds are clogged right now, and they just need to Nick. They just need to win the game. They, I don't care how. And it's funny. I don't care if they got to go to one. You know, people are probably laughing a one-four all game, and they can win one nothing. They got to win a game. I don't care how they yeah. do it. They got to win it. Change something, because once you win that one game, the pressure's off, and all of a sudden those wins will start to come. We shall see as early as tonight, Edmonton and Florida. Hey, talk. Really appreciate your time as always, man. Hey, awesome guys. Great questions as always. Thanks again. Take all care. Right. Thanks so much. Rick Tockett, three-time Stanley Cup champion. That guy is the best, man. What a, uh, a well of knowledge. I think it's interesting that he would say to Dreisaitl, like, whatever, you know, sometimes we get mad. It's okay. We're all human. Yeah. Moving on. Like, uh, I think that's that's the absolute best attitude to take rather than, oh, we need to have a, a team conference about this and, you know, bring in the higher. Like, okay, just he sniped at a guy. Let's move on. And we'll be watching that game tonight, right? Are you are you curious to see after all of that how they come out tonight? You know what I had, what thought I just had. I wonder what Talk would say to him. You know, like if things went real bad with Dave Tippett and the Oilers, is talking to be his coach in a couple of weeks? I don't know. <laughs> don't go there yet. Jimmy. All right, okay. don't go I'm there yet. <laughs> okay, we'll take another break here, and we got Keith Jones, a real TNT feel to today's show. Keith Jones, dynamite. After the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.